Okay, hey guys, it's Adrian. So here I have with me, I have Erin Knabel, and she's going to talk about her sister that's missing, Andrea. Why don't you just, about Andrea, who, what, who was she? What was she like? Yeah, definitely. Um, Andrea Knabel is my big sister. Um, I was actually born on her third birthday. Aww. So, yeah, so we always had a really special bond because of that. So what we've done our whole life is basically it's been like our holiday, <laughs> right? So um, if either one of us are up at midnight on our birthday, we we call each other to be the first person to say happy birthday. Or, you know, if it's an early night, we call each other early in the morning when we wake up for work to try to be, you know, as close to the first person as possible to say happy birthday. Um, and we've always had um, a homemade Caramel cake is what my mom makes. That's both of our favorite cakes. So that was always a lot of fun. Uh, I'm very close to Andrea. I love her very much. Um, I would tell her that she's like, we're like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And other people will say, or it's like yin and yang. Because in certain ways, we're exactly the same. And then other ways, we're completely opposite. Um, I would always tell her, like, if I had no filter then then we would be the same person basically um there were a lot of times where like we would be you know at a party for a holiday or something and I would be thinking something and I'm like well I'm not going to say this you know because I don't know how that's going to go over and the next thing you know she's blurting it out and, and you know <laughs> making us all laugh <laughs> she, so that's how Andrea is um she's just the kind of person that would make everybody really happy especially people like me that are kind of more introverted and Aww. you know sometimes it takes that type of person to bring it out of you your silliness you know and Andrea like could always do that a lot of times here recently before she she left us what I would do is just um every day after work I'd pick up my kids and then go to her house and we would um you know just do normal mom stuff together like make dinner and you know, I would complain about work and just like, you know, vent or tell her about funny stuff that happened that day. Sometimes we would, I'm sure a lot of you probably do this where you just sit across the table from each other and look at stuff on, on, you know, social media and talk about what you see and send each other funny memes. And I would look at her waiting for her to see it and laugh and see what her reaction is. So, you know, we would just mm -hmm. do, you know, normal sister stuff and we would do fun stuff with our kids. We both, my whole family really is pretty like into sports. You know, we think it's fun to compete or, you know, just do any type of game together, really. So we would play basketball. She had a basketball goal in her driveway. So we would play basketball with the kids, just like what our dad used to do with us growing up. Um, and she always wanted a trampoline when we were kids. So she made sure and got a trampoline as an adult. So we would jump on the trampoline with our kids. And that was a lot of fun, like listening to music and um she was the kind of person who, I don't know if, if you have like a certain friend that comes to mind when you think about like the fun house where like all the neighborhood kids would go to that house, but that's kind of how her house was, you know, like she, everybody would be over there jumping on the trampoline and just doing whatever, listening to music and stuff like that. And when it was time for dinner, she wasn't the kind of person that would say, all right, everybody, it's time to go. We're eating. You know, she, she would make enough for everybody. And you know, treat them all like, like they're a part of the family while they were there. So she was just always a very, very giving and caring person to a fault. She would even help out the neighbors that were not there. Like she, um, at one point she lived in a court. It was basically like a dead end street. 
she made it like a little community. I swear, like she had a neighbor, for example, he was a veteran. He was a disabled veteran who was retired. Um, she would bring him a plate of whatever she was making every night for dinner. Um, and she'd even stand out there and talk to him, you know, while the kids played and everything. So it was kind of like he had a new little family, you know, like people that cared about him and checked on him every day. It was great, you know. So that's something I've learned from Andrea and I've built around me here where I'm living. She she was just a very caring person that I learned a lot. The The bad thing is, though, sometimes you probably know this. A lot of us, sometimes we can we can want to help people too much. And, and sometimes that can cause people to take advantage of us. And I felt like Andrea was dealing with that a lot. And I was like wanting to talk to her and I was trying to do it in the most gentle way possible. I would say, Andrea, like you love some of these people that you tell me, like you love them no matter what, wouldn't <laughs> care what happened to you tomorrow, you know, and it, it would hurt me so bad. Sometimes these people would kind of take advantage of her. I know one time, one of those neighbors that lived in that court I was telling you about, um, his son used to come over all the time and, and he was one of the kids that would would always be there. And I would think Andrea's adopted three more kids, you know? So, and, you know, I'd say that playfully to her when she moved out of that court and got her new house, he called her and asked her where she was. And she told him she was at work downtown. She was working at Humana at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, I, I've um, worked with Humana. Okay. So personally, yeah, that's one of my, I did a brokerage. So I had like Humana, UHC and all that. Yeah. Okay. She did like, I think she was a data analyst, I'm pretty okay. sure. So she would work, you know, a lot of computer work. Um, but it was a fun place to work. She worked downtown and I was working at Mercer at the time in the IT department. So we were just right down the street from each other. We used to go to lunch all the time. It was a lot of fun mm -hmm. when she worked there. But anyways, this guy who, you know, did would do anything for him and his son, he went to her new house and stole all the TVs out of her house. So. Yeah, like it, it just didn't make any sense. And it was heartbreaking for me to see that, to see someone that I love being taken advantage like that. So I was just basically hoping to get through to her, showing her like, you know, you don't have to stop caring about people, but you you should have boundaries sometimes and, and be cautious for sure. So that's what I was kind of seeing happen. And, and I was, it, it kind of made me feel even though she was my big sister, it kind of made me feel like I was the big sister. It was like, we always kind of did that through our life. Like if, if one of us needed help, like she, she was the first person I would call if I needed something and, and vice versa, you know, like we were always there for each other, but towards, I'd say probably the couple of years before she went missing, like it started to feel like it was mostly me, you know, doing what I could for her. And it just really started to worry me a lot and my whole family was kind of starting to worry we we were like trying to help her get back on track really and and it came to a head really when she moved in with my mom because then you know I had been trying to talk to my family like look like something's going on I'm not sure what the issue is but we need to get to the bottom of it but I feel like they didn't really fully see it until she was living there with my mom so my mom began going to doctor's appointments with her. Um, my dad offered her to go to rehab. Um, we didn't know if that was something that she needed, but 
if it was, you know, we love her no matter what, he was willing to, to pay for her to go there and, you know, get, get back to her normal self. Because Andrea, she's the kind of person where I don't know if you've ever met, had, had friends that like, as soon as they wake up, they're in a great right. mood and they're just like, you know, like, yeah, I'm not like that. You know, I'm kind of more, <laughs> you know, I'm like a very, I don't know, like a serious natured person until someone brings it out of me, you know, like when someone brings the silly out of me, I can be silly. Like my kids do that for me. You know, they, they make me really happy. Um, but when I'm just sitting here by myself, I'm usually kind of serious, you know, so Andrea. I do. Yep. <laughs> I'm not like that either. <laughs> she was always very, you know, upbeat, positive, silly. So she's the kind of person that she mm-hmm. could use that. And, and no matter what was wrong, she was always able to kind of bounce back from it. So we all, even though we were worried, we fully expected to to see us all come together and she did whatever needed to get done and everything would be fine. You know, I never in a million years thought I would be doing these podcasts, just hoping that I'm keeping her story alive, you know, just, just praying that every day that we found her like this, it's still mind blowing. I still have moments where I think she's here. Yeah. And it's just, it's devastating. A lot of people will say to me like, how can you just talk about this? Like, it's no big deal. Well, it, it's, it's the most important thing to me. And the way I look at, at this is that it's, it's an emergency. It's, it's like your whole entire house burning down. And if I don't do something about it, it's, it's never going to get better, you know? So Andrea, what, what dad and I have chosen to do is to use our grief to put it, we want to put it to action, put it towards something positive. So I'm, I'm doing everything I can to just be a voice for her and, and the hope that she could still be okay. And we can still get her back. That really gives me strength. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I personally know two people that have, um, I go, had to go to rehab and, um, had that struggle. And my sister actually right now, you know, has, she should be in rehab and she's choosing not to. I'm sorry to hear that. I hope that, um, I believe that there's no, it's never too late to turn things around. Yeah. And that everybody, you know, we all make mistakes. We all have low points in life. So I think that this is nothing more, you know, you can overcome it. So I hope that she does. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I think so too. And I'm kind of like more like you. I'm more kind of more introverted. Um, I do have a friend though that is very, very loud and makes friends with like everyone. So it sounds <laughs> just like her. Yeah. But yeah, we're the same thing. I have to tell yeah. my friend, I'm like, you need to be careful about who you're hanging out with and what you're doing. And like, I'm like, you can't be doing some of the stuff that you do and think that, it, I mean, she picked up a gun from someone and dropped it off at someone else's house in another state just because she's friends with them i'm like no you can't be doing that (laughs) that's that's so risky yeah yeah and i'm more of like a car you know with me being an introvert i think that a part of that that makes you more cautious you know just because you already are are happy being completely by yourself you know you're kind of like hold on is this okay like it it, you kind of think thing about things like that more just naturally so that's another thing where it's like there's a lot of things about us that are alike but in in these certain ways we're completely opposite you know 
Um, I also like, it makes me happy to help people. I love children just the same way she does, you know, like I have, me too. um, I have uh, buddies all around here, you know, like neighbors that'll come over and, you know, I'll be going to the grocery and, and my neighbor two doors down will be like, can I come? You know, he's 10 years old. And I'm like, sure, let's go, buddy. You know, and like, I won't even have my kids with me. And I'm just like, it's fine. You know, <laughs> you know? so like there's, <laughs> you know, I'm the same way Andrea is in so many different ways. It's just as far as being cautious that, that you know, that was not something that Andrea really was. Um, she wasn't doing it. And, and I was hoping to kind of reel her back in. And it's hard because, you you know, when you're talking to someone else who's an adult, you can't force them to, obviously. And, you know, it would kind of hurt her feelings sometimes. She, she's not, she's a very smart person, you know. And sometimes I think she would feel like, I mean, do you think I'm stupid? You know, she would kind of get defensive about it sometimes. So, like, sometimes I would think maybe I just need to lead by example and not be so blunt. I don't want to hurt her feelings, you know. And yeah. because she already had, dad was already offering her rehab. He was being very direct with her about, you know, like, what's going on? We need to fix this. My mom was doing the same thing, like wanting her to see a therapist. And I knew my little sister, Sarah, at the time of Andrea's disappearance, she was actually re helping my mom remodel her bathrooms with her fiance. They have a uh, construction business. So they were also like giving her the hard truths and, and it would sometimes cause arguments, which in my opinion, there's really no wrong person there. You know, it's just a difficult okay. family situation. Then when it comes down to that, it has to be them that chooses to go. I mean, I've had this talk with my mom, too, with my sister. I'm like, she, because she called me and wanted me to bail her out one time. Well, possession and intent, intent to sell. Yeah, intent to sell. And I said, no. I was like, no. I'm like, you, no, I'm not, I'm not bailing you out. You can, you can deal with that. I didn't bail out. My, my husband's also been through rehab and stuff. Um, so I'm like, I didn't bail him out. I'm not bailing you out. Like, no, you got to deal with it. And um, my mom's on her butt all the time. And I'm just like, she has to want to do it. And when she does, she'll come to you. There's only so much you can do. And the thing is, is when you have people that are just pushing, 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 and they don't want that other person doesn't want to do it, then they're not going to come to you when they think that they are ready you know yeah that's true like, you don't want to break that bond and or hurt their feelings to where they feel like they can't come to you I agree with that I was Andrea was always like my safe place you know like when I was before I was divorced and I was having troubles in my marriage she would tell me you know she gave me a key to her house a key to her garage like all her spare keys and told me, you don't have to call, just show up anytime. You know, I'm always here for you. And I wanted to be that same thing for her. I wanted to be the place she could go when she really needed some someone, you know? Yeah. And it just, it hurt so much because we had a lot of people telling us, like, you need to set boundaries. She's not going to realize that she's wrong if she's always, you know, has someone coming to her rescue. So the last night that I saw Andrea... And, and I've heard this happen with other people, you know, similar family dynamics that the one time they chose to set boundaries was the last time they saw their loved one. And that's unfortunately what happened to me. And it's something I'll never forget. Like, I, I know logic says this could have happened at any 
it, it doesn't matter. You know, when you love, when you truly love someone, you think like, what could I have done? And, and that's something that I struggle with. But I, again, I try to tell myself, stop it, Aaron, you know, put, put this towards right now and what you can do right now. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm doing my best to focus on You know, I want to be healthy about this. I want to be proactive. Luckily with Andrea, her having that nature where she wants to help people a lot, it's actually came back on her where it's help, it's helping her, helping us find her. So she actually looked for missing people before she went missing. She volunteered. I don't know if you've heard much about that. Um, That's pretty much the only thing I've heard about her. Cause like I didn't, I didn't do a ton of research on her before, okay. uh, but I did know that. I did know that she, yeah, that she was helping finding other missing people before she went missing. Yeah. So. so she learned about an organization called Missing in America. I believe it was through Suzette. They both were working together at Tumbleweed at the time. That's how she began learning about the great need for, you know, missing people. Like it's, there's not enough people there doing, you know, in any police force across the country or the nation. I mean, the world, there's not enough people for the, as far as the police go, they rely heavily on volunteers and, and there's not enough volunteers. It's just, there's a huge need for people out there that care about missing people. So I really appreciate what you're doing. So Andrea was one of those people. Pretty much a lot of people like you felt like we're, we lost one of our own and we need to do something about this. So because of that, we, we had PIs early on that volunteered to help us. Leonard is the main one. He, um, he's actually having very serious health problems right now that caused him to have to retire. So unfortunately he's, you know, not able to help at the moment. We, we wish him the best and he still does what he can, you know, when he's able, when he's mm-hmm. physically able to. Um, but it, it also caused us to, to get, um, some media attention early on where, where we were able to get it, you know, local, national and international. But as time goes on, it, it dies down. So. We just want to keep this going as much as we can. There, There is a docu-series about this. It's called Finding Andrea. It's on um, Investigation Discovery. So you can find it on Discovery Plus, and then it's also on Hulu. And I think it's it might be on others, but I'm not positive. What I've learned about that is that a lot of the bigger venues, they are focused more on like ratings and what can bring in views and, and money. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So if they feel like the story is not exciting enough, they're going to do things purposely to like spice it up, even if it's at the expense of Andrea or at the expense of us. Mm-hmm. So we've seen a lot of that happen um, with the bigger venues. And then as far as the local news, I think that they have good intent or, you know, really any of the news. But sometimes I feel like they're pressured to hurry up and get it out there. So sometimes they get stuff wrong. The people that I found that really put in the effort to get it right and, and that really truly care are people like you that are doing these podcasts and in the, in these videos. So again, thank you so much for everything. Like you have, this means the world. And the way I feel about it is I don't care if 50 people see it or thousands Aww. of people see it every time a new person. So, um, so yeah, I'm forever grateful for this. And, and if, um, I try to give back as much as I can and, and help other missing people. So 
I'm wanting to, to join join what you're doing basically and, and, and do what I can, you know, in honor of Andrea. What do you know about the day that she went missing? Um, I was the last known person to see her. Um, so let's see. Usually when we talk about the timeline of events, we start at around dinner time at my mom's house. So Andrea told me about this when she came to my house that night. She was sitting at the dinner table. My mom had brought Chinese food over. So what was happening basically is that my little sister and, excuse me, her fiance, Ethan, they live in Lexington. Uh, They have a house there they've lived at for maybe at least over a decade. I'm not really sure how long, but they were temporarily living there at my mother's house while the renovation was happening. Andrea was staying there. Um, That was her home at the time. My mom it's the bathroom. Some okay. a lot of the times the bathrooms were not working because of the renovations. So what my mom would do was she would come home in the evenings after work, and you know usually she'd bring over some kind of dinner or groceries or something and, and make dinner. She'd get together clothes or whatever she needed, and then she would go stay at uh, her her best friend's house. So my mom was not staying there, you know, at nighttime, but she would come up, come through and, and check on things every evening. So they were sitting at the dinner table. And I think they got on the topic of, you know, Andrea and what she's doing right now. And they were saying, like, you know, I can see, I think my mom was saying, like, I can see that you're doing some things, you're making an effort, but you're also doing things that's kind of sabotaging you and setting you back at the same time and kind of being critical of her. I mean, uh, my mom is the kind of person where she, when she sees one of us not doing good, it makes her very anxious. You know, it's kind of like she'll have the, the feeling like if, if what if I get in a crash tomorrow and, and I die, like what would happen? To you? So it just really, it freaks her out. Like she loves us to death. She, there's nothing that she'd rather do than help us, but it does scare her when she knows that we're a hundred percent relying on her. So sometimes even though she means well, she can kind of come off as kind of sarcastic. And I think that's what like sparked an argument. And so it caused them to kind of argue. And Sarah, this is a normal thing in our family. Sarah took my mom's side. You know, that's that's what we do. You know, like if there's somebody else in the room, you're going to weigh in and say what you think, you know. So then Andrea, it kind of caused her to feel like she was being ganged up on. She got upset and went upstairs to her room and it just kind of cooled off and stuff, I guess, basically. They finished eating dinner. My mom left. And then I think she came down a little bit later that evening. And she was like, I don't want Chinese anymore. You guys were telling me that I need to see a doctor. Well, I want to go right now, is what she said. And they were wanting her to go to keep going to that psychiatrist. She was wanting to go to the doctor to get some medicine for her face because she was having a breakout on her face. A lot of people are very judgmental about this this part of it. Like we have eczema. It runs in my family. I actually have a little bit on my face right now, but I'm covering it with makeup. You know, she had it like she's had it behind her ears before, but she's never really had it like a full breakout on her face. Like, like I get sometimes, you know, and I know that stress. I get it. Yeah. Stress. I have it all on my legs and (laughs) I call it the family curse. (laughs) Because I know it comes from the cannabis side of our family. And um, anyways, yeah. So for me, it's like hormones can cause it. Sometimes my makeup will cause it to flare up. You know, like allergies to different ingredients in your makeup. Stuff like mm-hmm. that. So anyways, I, we didn't know if it was that. And then there's other people that speculate that it was because of drug use. 
So I don't know what was causing her issues, but she was very, very concerned and very preoccupied with her face, which I would be too, you know, I mean, any girl would be, you know, like that's a very, a sensitive topic. If, if you're yeah. having bad skin problems, people just are very bad. Well, especially on your face where it's very visible. When mine's flaring up like that, I won't leave the house without makeup on, you know, <laughs> like I, I just don't. So, I mean, I think that's just like kind of a girl thing, you know, you, you want to look nice. So she was like wanting to go get medicine and, and get better. And we know that she was looking for jobs where she could work from home because of her, she was self-conscious about that. You know, she was wanting to get her skin fixed before she went out in public and it was causing her to not really go out very much. So that's one of the things that we knew, like this is not normal for her when, when we couldn't get in touch with drawing in and, and wanting to, you know, lay low until she got her skin looking better, you know, which that's a normal thing too. I did, I would stay home and let my skin rest and not put any makeup on it, you know, and just kind of chill. So that's yeah. what she was doing a lot. Um, anyways, so let's see here. Where did I leave off? Oh yeah. So Ethan, my little sister's fiance drove Andrea through the drive through at McDonald's. They went to the, the emergency room. She got her because, you know, it's later on at night. She wanted to go ahead and go right then. That's just what she wanted. So he was just like, fine. That's what we'll do. He dropped her off there. Um, my mom gave her a code for a, a gift card for an Uber. That way she could go ahead and get her face taken care of. Ethan could go back and work on the house and she would have a ride home. So that was the plan. Because that the two ways that she was getting around while her car was was broken down was with, you know, Uber stuff or with friends and family would give her rides. So that's what she was doing during that time period. It was not abnormal. So a lot of people, are they judge that, you know, like, oh, why didn't he stay? You know, it's like. Right. He was in the well, and I mean, he's got a life, too, and he's got to do other things. Yeah. Like, yeah. So anyway, the thing happened is that she drove that the Uber to my mom's house couldn't get in and then came to my house. So all this that I've told you so far, this is stuff that we've learned from talking to my mom and from me talking to Andrea that night. Um, so right now I'm going to tell you about, you know, her getting to my house. This is everything that I saw with my own eyes. So how my day went that day, um, I was kind of just feeling stressed out just about stuff completely, you know, just normal everyday stuff unrelated to anything about Andrea. I'm, I'm a millennial, but I'm like an older millennial, you know? So like I was around, I didn't even mm -hmm. have a, an iPhone or not an iPhone, but a, a smartphone until I was probably 25, just because I saw everybody with their noses in their phone. And I was just like, I don't want any part of that. I want to be in reality most of the time, you know? So for a long time, I'm just going to enjoy and play outside. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for a long time, like even as an adult, I didn't have like a smartphone. Okay. That's the kind of person that I am. So like sometimes I would take a break from my phone and from any electronics and just you know, with my kids and my friends or whatever is happening right in front of me. So that's like a thing mm -hmm. that I would do, especially if I was a little bit stressed out. I would just, so I had my phone sitting on the kitchen table for most of that evening after I got off work. And my kids there with me, I felt like if it's something urgent, I'll, I'll find out about it. My kids are okay. There's nothing to worry about at the moment. So 
my kids were um, in the living room relaxing. I had them laying down watching a movie because it was starting to get late. Um, and my bathrooms, this is a coincidence, but I had some pipes that were leaking and it was causing water damage. I had some stuff going on, on upstairs where it was pretty much fixed, but the walls were not completely put up. And so I didn't, I didn't want my kids sleeping up there or like for anybody to be up there for very long until all that was done because I felt like that was a safe thing to do. My youngest son was two at the time. So we were sleeping down here. We would just go upstairs and use whatever in the bathroom and come directly back down here. You know. So anyways, they were down here resting on the couch, just about almost asleep. I was sitting outside on the porch with my best friend, Michelle, um, just so they could be in here in the quiet. It was a nice August night um, and I was having a glass of wine, just kind of talking. Michelle's my best friend. And she's the kind of person that, I don't know if you have a friend like that where you can just sit there and talk with them for hours. You're like, how did we just talk for three hours straight? So that's how Michelle and I are. Like, we didn't have to have a TV or like a plan. We could just sit there at each other's houses and talk to each other. So we were sitting on my porch talking and um, she was smoking a cigarette facing me and I was sitting on my sitting on my porch facing the street. And so I saw Andrea walk up and she was kind of taking bigger steps. So like... You know, that told me, like, if it's hot outside, Andrea hates hot weather. She's the kind of person that, like, to this day, and as soon as it starts to get really hot outside, I always laugh because I think about how dramatic she would get over the hot weather. You know, like, she absolutely hates being hot. She, she'll, like, she, like, loses her shit when it gets hot. <laughs> so that always made me laugh. But anyways, if Andrea's moving fast and it's hot outside, something's wrong. <laughs> so I was like, she's walking fast. What's going on? And And she looked at me. And she kind of just shoulders went down. It looked like she kind of felt relieved. Like she goes, Aaron, I've been trying to get a hold of you. Um, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I was come over and I went inside and got my phone and saw that she had been texting me. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Just told me everything that I, I've said so far about how her day's gone. And she was upset. Andrea, with her being very a dramatic, fun person, she, with that being said, she's also able to be very very dramatic when she gets upset she pretty much any feeling that she has she can really make everyone feel it that's that's andrea and she's been that way her whole life that's something i, I love her no matter what what emotion she's having or what's going on of course you know i stopped what i, I was doing and, and i listened to her i had just moved in there a couple months ago i didn't really know my neighbors very well so I was also in the back of my mind kind of stressing like i hope i'm not waking up my neighbors um i didn't want to make any enemies and where I live, it's like a mutual ownership agreement. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but like you buy it from a board of, and, and while you live here, you own it. And then when you, mm, when you yeah. move, you sell it back to them. They can like vote you out of here. It's crazy. <laughs> so like, let's say they're like the evil HOA. Like, I mean, yeah. HOA is already evil, but that's <laughs> like, we can vote you out. Yeah, I know. It, it's weird. So it's like a popularity contest. Um, oh, great. And there can be some grumpy people here. So like, I've heard stories like that before I moved in. Here. It was like, it's like a really good deal. It's a good way to save money if just got divorced. You know what I mean? It's, it's worth it to, to deal with, you know, a little bit of extra crap. Yeah. So anyways, if I would have known then what I know now, I love my neighbors to death. They're great. My extended family almost. We look out for each other. We do each other's yard work. They're amazing. But at the time, I didn't really know them yet. So I was kind of stressed and I was like, oh my God, I hope we're not being. I just kind of let Andrea vent. And I could tell a lot of people had been like talking at her that night and saying their opinions. So I was like, it's going to be better if I just shut up and listen. That's what she needs right now. 
So that's what I did. When I really love someone a lot, that's what I do. I examine how, how they're expressing themselves to me and think like, what can I do to help her? And I decided like, I'm just, so she told me about everything. Um, when she kind of was done and I could tell she let it all out. I said, why don't you go inside and, you know, wash your face, splash some water on you and, and kind of cool off and, and feel better. Cause she, you know, she was not happy about being hot. <laughs> um, so she went in stairs. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, but yeah, she went upstairs, washed her face off. And then she came down here in my living room and sat yeah. on the floor and just quietly watched TV. Cause by this time the kids had already fallen asleep. My worries were like, I love Andrea to death. And and if it was just her, she would be welcome to be here forever. Mm -hmm. But I was just worried that with her, the friends that she had, I was nervous about going to work the next day, having, you know, different people that she was friends with coming and going in my house because she was, that was one of the arguments was like different people were coming over, like a lot of different people showing up at my mom's house. And yeah, like I literally just got this place. I don't know my neighbors. This is my safe place for, to raise my children. It was just very stressful to me thinking about, I, I'm getting up early. I'm getting up at like 6.30 or 7 in the morning, taking my kids to where they go and going to work the next day. She's not working. I didn't know what was going to happen. It just, it was stressful to me. So I called while she was inside. I called my parents and they both told me, you know, just tell her to go back home and, uh, and go to sleep and rest it off. And, and I would say like, well, she can't get in right now. And we all said, well, we'll call and make sure she gets in. So I drove her home while my friend Michelle sat with my kids for a few minutes. I came back, um, Michelle left. I went to sleep. I just curled up on the couch next to my kids. I had a pretty good sized couch at the time. I don't know how much time passed, but I heard a knock on my back door. And you know, this is the part that that is just... Okay, sorry. And we had to stop right there for a minute. And this week's, with that note, be sure to check out next week's with Erin Knable on the Andrea Knable case and to hear more of her side of the story and what is true versus what the media says. Thanks for listening. As always, feel free to check us out, crimetheoriespodcast.com, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and find us wherever podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts as well. And we now have special episodes just for our party, our, um, patreon listeners i'll go ahead i'll link that down below as well some of them may include our old episodes as well as some bonus ones that we do every month as well as stickers and shirts and all that fun jazz so feel free to check those out